Father, thank you. Uh, we are grateful for all that you do, which is more than we even ask or imagine. Um, most of all, we're grateful for sending your son. We are grateful, Lord. Um, we remember that continually. Uh, we probably don't express our gratitude for that enough, but we do right now, Lord. We're, we're so, so thankful you have redeemed us. Uh, by the precious blood of the Lamb. I ask you, Lord, that you would uh, bless our next 40 minutes or so, open our ears to hear. Um, Spirit of God, would you quicken our hearts as we see and hear and, and that we would respond to your word, that our wonderful Savior Jesus would be lifted up and glorified here at Anchorage Bible Fellowship. In his name, amen. Okay, um, you guys, if you know me very well, you know by now I do these like totally wiped out kind of uh, inserts with lots of fill in the blanks and all kinds of stuff. And um, I just thought it might be appropriate to start with just a little not me review as much as you review last week if you were here. Or even if not, um, you can just prayerfully kind of uh, think through some of these things. Uh, we've been talking about the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Uh, I was blessed this morning, uh, Brian, by the word king in all four songs. I know that didn't happen by accident. And uh, the last of the four songs, You Are My King, we sang that repeatedly. And the Sermon on the Mount is about the kingdom of God and we being subjects in his kingdom. So that's the overarching kind of context. But um, So if we think about last week, we were talking about worry. And if you have the insert, um, you can look at worry and concern and think. Um, as Christians, we're, we, I think we're, we're tending to uh, be prone to think, well, oh yeah, I know I'm not supposed to worry, so I'm just concerned. Without clearly thinking through, okay, what are the differences in those? So just take a minute and think. You can either draw a graphic symbol if you want, or uh, just write out something that, okay, so what is worry and what is concern? And how might those two things be different? So you can do that now if you want. And in about 15 seconds, uh, Joel and I will keep going. And if you've done that, then you could even think of the next two things I should become concerned about, remember I said to grab a concern and to drop a worry. Um, so you can even think about that, something that you're not really concerned about now, but something that likely God would want you to become concerned about, and something you need to stop worrying about. Brothers and sisters, let me just say, I'm flesh and bone just like you. I understand. You know, life is not a simple thing. There's a lot of stuff that can crowd us in with worry. I get it. Okay, so uh, worry. Joel, if you want to go ahead. This was the graphic that I had, right? Think of this as concern. I just gave you the wrong one, didn't I? Were you paying attention? Okay, so this is concern and this is worry. And I just 
kind of came up with these because the definition of concern was that it's productive, right? It's something that, that you maybe involve others in and you move forward on. So, reading it through the paper backwards, uh, think of this as concern. It has a starting place and it moves. You move. If you're concerned about something, you shouldn't just sit there like worry and go around and around and around and not accomplish anything. So hopefully, thank you, Joel, uh, hopefully these graphics will help you. And if you're not uh, as analytical and tend to be more visual or whatever, maybe that will stick with you, that God wants us to be concerned. Uh, Many good people in the Bible were concerned about things. But we're not to worry, because worry is just this dog chasing its tail kind of thing. Okay? Um, And Joel is awesomely always trying to figure out what I'm thinking and where I'm going next. And isn't he awesome? (laughs) Because I wouldn't want that job with me. Um, Okay, so that's just a little bit of review. Don't, Don't mean to treat you like a middle schooler, which they're all not here, which is probably just Landon, I'm guessing. But, um, but it's good for us to review. And um, I mean, I'm sorry, I, I just have a passion for all of us to learn the word and apply it in our lives, as do Tom and Spencer as well. And you probably do too. Okay, so the kingdom, the kingdom of God, that's the context of the whole Sermon on the Mount, the, this kingdom. Um, so uh, Months ago, we gave a definition on that, but this is more for you. Just fill in that blank if you can. So what is the kingdom of God? If somebody said, hey, I was reading in the Bible and said the kingdom of God, what is that? What is that? How would you describe that? How would you articulate that? And you guys know sometimes I kind of get all focused. I mean, I'm not like Spencer with grammar and all that, but I do get focused on terms and stuff because we need to be able to articulate it, communicate it. Things like righteousness and justification. I mean, those are important things. And we, if we're a follower of Christ, a believer in Christ, we need to be able to explain that. So what would you, um, how would you describe the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of God? Any brave volunteer who's like, ooh, ooh, I got it. Pardon? It's heaven. Oh, uh, that's it's inclusive. We are living in the kingdom of God. Um, is my neighbor living in the kingdom of God? Who is over? It's a treasure. Treasure, yeah, that, that's one of the metaphors that represents it, right? Especially out of Matthew 13 in the parables. Okay, the kingdom of God, this is a definition I found and I like to use. It's the redemptive rule or reign of God in Christ or through Christ. The trick with the kingdom is Jesus taught it is here. It's at hand, but it's not Fully here. That's why I always like that. It's now and not yet. The kingdom of God is now. We're not only waiting for it to come someday. It is now, right? Jesus said it's at hand. And the king has come. 
the first time. So he's initiated or begun the kingdom of God, but it's not here in its fullness and completeness. Um, I tend to be kind of fundamental on a lot of the eschatology things. So I believe Jesus was actually coming back and he will set up a millennial reign on earth and that will be the fulfillment of the kingdom of God here on earth with the king on the throne ruling and reigning. I believe that. Some people think that's just like silly. I'm all about silly if it's all about him. Right? I'll take silly every time. Okay, so the kingdom of God, it's now, but it's not fully now. It's the redemptive rule and reign of God through Christ. So Christ is reigning. That's why we sing songs about he's the king. But an unbeliever might say, well, where's the king? You know, this is the kingdom. It's messed up. Can you go tell somebody in Ukraine the kingdom is here? I mean, that'd be kind of weird, right? So there's aspects of the kingdom that have not yet come. And that's the whole point of the Sermon on the Mount. It's begun, and it will come, and when Jesus comes again, it will come in its fulfillment, its entirety. Okay, citizens and citizenship. This, these are important terms. Right now, Russia is destroying an entire nation and sacrificing lives of tens of thousands of people to forcibly impose citizenship on the people who live in the the state or country of Ukraine, right? That's pretty much what Putin's doing, among other things, and I don't really know everything about everything, but he wants to forcibly make the people in Ukraine essentially citizens of Russia, maybe under a different name. So citizen, citizens and citizenship is hugely important. If you're a resident in the state of Alaska and you qualify for that magical thing called the dividend, that's a benefit, regardless of however you feel about it politically and economically, but it's a benefit for people who qualify. Who, people who are residents, or you could say citizens, in the state of Alaska that meet the criteria. If we are citizens, in the kingdom of God, or if we are subjects, which implies submission to the king, there's stuff we got to know, right? And that's what this is all about. And then the Bible beyond that. There's stuff we got to know. You can't, uh, you can't live productively in any context without understanding all the ramifications and the things that apply. I can't just jump in my car and go drive up and down streets without having been trained and taught the rules for driving. Now I know it seems like a lot of people still never did that. I think sometimes people may think I never really did that, but I did learn to drive in LA, so you know it's a whole different kind of context. But but that's critically important, and that's why I've been preaching on this. That it's it's essential for us as subjects under the king, the king of kings, to live by his principles, his standards. All the things that he teaches. So, that's why we've been going through this. I use the ESV. Well, actually, I use all Bibles, I think. Um, but I here I've been teaching and preaching for, through the ES, or with the ESV. And unless I'm greatly mistaken, I can only find the word citizen and citizenship once used each time in my Bible. I mean the Greek word for those. 
Um, so we're going to look briefly at Ephesians 2.19, if you have a Bible or a device. And if you don't, just spy on who's ever around you. Ephesians 2.19. Um, so Paul, preaching to this wild uh, church that's in the city of Ephesus, a bunch of, the whole city was idolatry and wild and sinful and just plain crazy. And God puts together a church or ultimately churches there. And so Paul is teaching them and he says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus or Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure, the whole church, this whole thing, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. They're actively destroying as much stuff, it seems, in Ukraine as possible. Right? I mean, among other things, I see the futility of a lot of life there. I mean, every time they show these huge buildings, and they're just, they're not even done. It's like it's totally uninhabitable, but now you still got to tear it down and haul it away. They're actively destroying things. But Paul says, we are being built up that from the time of Christ and today and going forward, he is building this temple, this thing of which you and I are part of it. But the thing I like is he said, you are fellow citizens. So Paul there is talking about unity in believers and in that context between Jews and Gentiles, between the Old Testament people of God, right, that God called out, one people, one nation out of all of them. And everybody else could say, well, that ain't fair. Well, newsflash, God's not fair. He's sovereign. He's things like just. But fair is kind of like how I look at things and think, well, is that fair? I'm not God. See what I mean? So he's sovereign, and he chose to make a nation out of Abraham. Well, now that caused a lot of problems, if you know your Bible. So Paul is telling them in Ephesus, where there's a whole bunch of pagans, and they come to faith in Christ, they believe the gospel, and he's saying there's unity through that citizenship by being a citizen. In Philippians 3.20, it was pretty much the same thing. So if you want to turn over one, two, three, four pages in my Bible. Um, Philippians 3.20. And here Paul says, he says, brothers, so now he's talking to the church in Philippi. What's the key word that Spencer taught us for a long time? No, but I mean the key word for the book of Philippians. It's not butter, therefore. Unity, right? Wasn't that what Spencer was teaching us? Unity. A lot of people think Philippians is joy, but it's about unity. Unity. So Paul says, uh, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. That means pay attention to people who live like Christ. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of Christ. Many people live life as an enemy of the Lord Jesus, and frequently they have the title on them of Christian. 
Paul says, their end is destruction and their God is their belly, meaning they worship really their most basic desires and wants. And they glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things. But, it is a, an important word, but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? I'm a citizen of heaven. You? Do you eagerly await the Lord Jesus Christ, the king to come and, and kind of like crack his knuckles and say, okay, Putin, we're going to talk. And it's not going to work out well for you unless you repent and believe. Uh, we have the same issues, different, but the same issues in our country. There's all kinds of stuff, right? This place is messed up. We live in one of the most blessed nations and times in history. But people, it's all messed up. If you don't think so, you need to get out more. <laughs> Seriously. Because our, our natural inclination is just kind of hang with people that look like us and walk like us and talk like us and believe like us. And if you do that all the time, you will miss the fact that there is a war going on right outside this building. Well, actually even in here. But outside this building. And it's more intense and more bloody and there are more casualties than what's going on in Ukraine. You just don't really see it. But like the way the wind blows, you see the effects. And if you don't, I suggest you obey the great commission Jesus gave his church to go. He never said, hang together and let the world come to you to get saved. Right? Never said that. Man, where's Kia when I need her? She's uh, got a heart for missions if you don't know her. <laughs> Yeah, so that's our goal. That's our mission. So the world's messed up. So citizens and citizenship, it's very important. If you think of yourself, well, I'm a Christian, then you have to think of yourself as a citizen of the kingdom, a subject to the king. There's no options. You know, the older I get, the more I realize, man, so many things are this or that. In or out, right or wrong, narrow way or wide way. Now, I also realize, no, there's, you know, there's some sliding scales on some things. You know, I like chocolate that's about 65%. You might like Hershey bars. You know, we can, we can flex on stuff like that. But important things like this, it's in or out. If you want your dividend, it's in or out, right? You got to do what they want you to do and be approved if you're going to get your dividend. There's not like, oh, dude, hey, I forgot. Well, five years ago, I didn't apply, but I was really here. Yeah, good luck. So it's in or out. And if we're believers purchased by that precious blood of the Lamb, we are in. And so now the responsibility comes to live like we're in, not to just drift along. That's why everything he teaches in this passage is so radical. It's totally different. Okay, so last week we talked about three things that Jesus said you shouldn't worry about. What were they? Anybody remember? Food? Clothing? Yeah, food, drink, clothing, those kind of things. Are these like superfluous things? No. These are essentials, right? These are bare basics. The bare basics. The passage earlier, where he was talking about store up treasure in heaven, there he's talking about excess. 
you know, disposable income, things like that, your treasure. But right here, he's talking about the most basic things, the things that a lot of people in the city of Mariupol have been doing without food, water, clothing, the most basic things. And he has the audacity to say, don't worry about it. I mean, seriously, Jesus? What are you, what are you talking about? Bills have to be paid, right? Bills have to be paid. I mean, the price of food is going up. How am I not supposed to worry about that? Gasoline? It's going up and down and up again and whatever it's doing? How am I seriously not supposed to worry about that? And that's what he says. And that brings us to verse 33, which is our text today. Matthew six thirty-three. So after all this, don't worry about this. You know, you're worried about clothing, but you know, Solomon didn't even look like that right there. You're worried about food, but you know, the birds, they don't plant and harvest. God feeds them. He's not saying that no bird ever starved, right? This is like general principles. Some birds have probably starved, I would think. But that's his point. is like God keeps this whole world functioning. I'm thinking he can keep your life functioning. So, number 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I have to figure out where I'm at so I can remotely try to uh, help my brother back there. Um, okay. Uh, on the, by the way, did anybody notice like the first page was the second page and the second page was the first page compared to how I normally have done it? I don't know why, but that's just, when I was doing this one, I'm like, I should like start on the left. So if you go like this, it makes more sense. Anyway. Okay, so we're going to be on the top of the second page, and I have U- Ukraine, Russia, NATO, and the DOC. The DOC is the Department of Corrections, of which I minister kind of sort of through. Okay, in the DOC, they have policies and procedures. They don't just throw people in jail and let a bunch of guards with keys on their hip kind of do whatever. It's very strict and very regimented. They have policies and procedures, what you're to do and not do. In this situation, what to do and not to do. I'm assuming law enforcement does that. Uh, I'm pretty sure military does that, right? They have policies and procedures um, because it's very important. Well, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 are about values, priorities, and practices. Now, where did I get that? I just kind of like picked it, to be honest. (laughs) Just saying. I just kind of picked it because it seemed like that's what it is about. It's about values. What you value, what is important and what isn't. And priorities, which is similar. What What is a priority? This over that. And practices. What do I do? What do I do? So that's what this whole Sermon on the Mount is about. And now that brings us to the passage or the verse I just read, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you in the ESV. Okay, I'm going to read uh, other versions because I don't know about you. I'm not really much of an ancient Greek student. I mean, I fiddle around a little bit, but that's not my thing. 
So when I want to study the word, I look at other versions, other translations, other Bibles. And um, the next one I have is the CSB, which says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Similar to the ESV, the, the King James. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Okay? The NASB, New American Standard, which ain't all that new now, but it was once. But seek first the kingdom, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided to you. The NIV, anybody have an NIV? I won't call on you to read it. Anybody? Nobody uses the NIV? That's surprising. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. The new King James, anybody use that one? I do too. Okay, the, the New King James says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And the New Living Translation, which, you know, don't throw rocks, please. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live, righteous, and live righteously, and he will give, everything, give you everything you need. Was that kind of repetitive? Right? Except for the last one was a little different, but it's the NLT. It's pretty repetitious, right? Okay. Note to self, if every version says almost exactly the same thing, that's what it says. You know what I mean? Some versions, it's like, oh, this says this, this says that, maybe this or that or the other thing. I won't get into the whole Bible translation thing. But these are all the same. So don't miss it. What he's trying to say here is, but, back to that, all that other stuff, seek first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, which you've just been talking about, will be added to you. Does that sound like something to live by? Okay, I mean, I don't, let's not act like super spiritual. Let's just be real. Does that sound like something to live by? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? And all these things will be added? Is that wishful thinking? I know you're thinking, well, the right answer is to say, yeah, that's what we do. But do we? What we're supposed to do. So, but would he tell us we're supposed to do it if it wasn't doable? But does it sound really doable? I mean, in the world we live in today, Let's be honest. It's one thing I like about jail ministry. You just talk straight up with people. And sometimes they do and sometimes they don't, but <clears throat> whatever. Does that really sound like something we can live by? Not that we should live by or we're supposed to live by. Well, let's wait on that. Okay, so seek first the kingdom of God. What did I do with my notes here? Okay, the word seek can mean to search for, to search for. I love it when they use the same words back and forth to define each word. It's like, come on. Um, I won't butcher the Greek word, but I think it's a fairly common word. Um, you can, this word is used to seek, 
or to search for things like the pearl in Matthew 13. Who said that? Somebody over there said something about that. You're awesome. Yeah, that's the word there. That the, the merchant was seeking that pearl. So you can, this word, the Greek word, can mean seeking things, stuff. You know, you go to Costco, right? You're seeking probably way more stuff than you really need to buy on that day. But that's part of the plan for them. You can seek things. You can seek spiritual things. The paralytic in Luke chapter 5, they were seeking a healing. You know, they were seeking a blessing. The Bible says God seeks. What does God seek? One thing. The law? The lost. Uh, did you cheat? Did you, is that my notes? Because we're going to go there. Yeah. Actually, that's Jesus, but that works. Yeah, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Right there, that tells you if you were, if you were lost and you've been found, he sought you. He went looking for you in a kind of humanistic or human sense. Right? He was seeking you. He was calling you. That's why Paul says, you can't get all uppity about, oh, I'm a Christian, this person's not. Oh, yeah? That's because he called you. And he reveals his goodness to you. And to get into the whole born-again thing and repentance and all of that, he reveals to you your sin. Right? That's part of the gospel thing. He reveals to me my sin... And I'm like, man, I ain't all that good. If there is a hell, I'm probably going to end up there. That's God at work. That's Jesus seeking you. I thought in in, uh, John chapter 4, Jesus, the woman at the well, right? And he said, the Father seeks worshipers who worship in spirit and truth. He don't seek people to come and fill every chair in this church. I mean, I know that probably sounds weird. But he don't. He seeks people to worship him in spirit and truth. Now, would he like every chair in this church filled with people who are saying, thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for the grace of the gospel. Yeah. And, and every, people, every person in this church going out, not just hanging here, going out and sharing that good news with everybody else. That's what he seeks. Okay, seek first, he said. That word can be first in time. Um, Mark 2.27. You can go with that one. Uh, First in order. 1 Corinthians 12.28. So first in order. God gave first. And then there's an order of things. But in this case, it's first in priority. It's the priority. It's importance. So seek... Seek, search for, first of importance, what? The kingdom of God. I don't have that on there because we've talked about it. Jesus said, but seek first, of first importance, seek the rule and the reign of Christ. Now, he wouldn't tell you to do that if it's like, I'm coming back in 5,000 years, you know. Jesus wouldn't have said, seek the kingdom if it ain't. 
in one way or another attainable. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Okay, that's one of those terms. How would you articulate or define or explain the word to somebody who doesn't know what righteousness means? That's a real question. Right relationship with God. Awesome. Thank you, Inez. I can wait a long time if I have to. I did live in a native village for 17 years where people can be very quiet. So I don't freak out with, you know, 10 seconds of silence. Sometimes I kind of enjoy it. Yeah, right relationship. There's a bunch of ways you can define it. But it's important to be able to do that. Right? Right? Yeah. It's important. So right relationship is one way to define it. State of being as it should be. Your state of being as you should be. That's another way to define righteousness. But I like right relationship or even rightness. You could even define it that way. Being in a state that God sees as right. So when Pastor Spencer talks in Romans 3, there's none righteous. No, not even one. You might think, well, what? hold on now. I thought I was righteous in Christ. You are, but he's talking there about by yourself, without God doing something, you ain't righteous. In fact, you might look really good. That's probably going to make you look worse in the reality of things. If you think you're good, you're probably worse than you even think you are. I'm just quoting the guy who did the Sermon on the Mount. You know, I'm paraphrasing it, but yeah. So rightness, there's none righteous. And that's when God works and he convinces whoever you're sharing the hope of the gospel with, we're all sinful. I ain't judging you, but he will. I'm just saying what the word says. I've told people that before. It's like, don't get mad at me. This ain't mine. It's his. He wrote it. I just read it and live by it, bro. You got a prophet, talk to him. But here's the book. I mean, that's just kind of how it is. Yeah, so rightness. So Jesus says... Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in all these things. All these things. All what things? All the stuff he was just talking about. All these things. You know, actually, literally, it says, and all these will be added to you. But the these implies the things. I don't know. It's all weird. It's Greek. Get asked Spencer. But that's what it means, is all this that he was referring to will be added, will be additionally placed or given to you. Okay, what do most people seek? How many people do you know in the world are perfectly content? Probably like no one. You, would be, you, you might be tending to think, well, maybe a little baby or something. <laughs> Go talk to the mama, <laughs> right? Then little babies are the least content things you'll ever see. They're content for maybe five minutes and then it's like, wah, wah, right? Who's content? Nobody. And God has even designed it in the human heart that we should seek him. But what do people seek? Um, I did a longer than I should have computer search on what is it people are seeking? What do people want in life? What are people searching for? And I would either come up with some kind of uh, Hindu Buddhism kind of you know, thing or Google searches. 
10 most popular things in Google search. I'm like, no, dude, that's what I'm doing, a Google search about what people search for. I couldn't get around it. But anyway, I did find some things. Uh, there is one list. Actually, I got millions of them here. Um, so what will I use? I will use these two briefly. Um, so there's a lady, Kathy Caprino, who I think, it sounds like she kind of works with women. Um, but it, the article said ten, the top 10 things people want. I'm like, okay, we can go with that. Happiness. Yeah, happiness. Does that sound familiar? How is that different from joy, which I think is on one of these lists twice? Right? Our definition, you don't have to go by it, but the definition I used in the Beatitudes was happiness is the world's idea based on circumstances. Joy is not based on the stuff around me. If I have joy in the Lord, I can have it anywhere, anytime. Doesn't always want to pop out, but you understand what I'm talking about. Biggest challenge, not knowing what I want to do. Okay. Well, if you don't know what you want to do, it would be hard to find happiness. Second thing on her list is money. Biggest challenge, not having enough money or time to accomplish the things I want to do. Like what? It's, you can't be happy because you don't know what to, you don't know what you want to do, but you don't have enough money to do the things you want to do. Number three, freedom. Biggest challenge: having the freedom to find my true purpose, or being lit up by the day to day at work. Number four, peace. The biggest challenge: lack of clarity about who I am and my purpose. You know, when I start reading this kind of stuff, all I do is see the gospel everywhere, or the lack of. Yes? Yeah, it's like, uh, okay, peace. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, goodness. There's no law. Okay, joy, number five, that was her. The biggest challenge, with, in her mind, for people finding joy, how to find the right role or position for me now that will bring joy in my work. It's like the bridge on the river Kwai. Do you ever see that? Be happy in your work, right? They were slaves. It's like, okay, anyway, that's that one. There's more, but I think you get the idea. Um, On this one, here's the full list of the top ten bucket list items. That's the only place I could go is bucket list. It, It just called me. I couldn't resist it. So bucket list items on singles list. Okay? Number one, fall in love. Okay, that's not a shocker. 83% wanted that. I I get that. Number two, go on a wine tour in Napa. (laughs) I'm not making this up. I lived in Sonoma County. I'm like, that's the second most important thing you want to do in your life? Just go buy some Behringer wine or something. Save the trip. I'm not making this up. Number three, change someone's life for the better. Okay, that's, I like that. That's respectable. Number four, get to my ideal weight. Uh, that's tricky. Number five, go on a safari. Well, you better go quick because a lot of the animals are getting killed off, unfortunately. Number six, ride a hot air balloon. You know what? You can go hot air ballooning in Napa Valley. I'm like, <laughs> you can cross two of these off at one time. And my wife said, yeah, and if you go with the right person and fall in love... You're cleaning up. I mean, this wouldn't take very long. 
Number seven, see the northern lights. I know. I remember the first time, I'm like, wow, that's kind of cool. You know, I've only ever seen them when they're yellow-green. I've never seen the blues and purples. And yeah, I've never seen that. Number eight, go to the Super Bowl. You missed out. It should have been last year. Um, swim with dolphins and travel through Europe. So, okay, I'm just kind of bringing this, some of this stuff up. This is what people seek. This other person said clinical surveys. This is what people want. Having love in their lives. Okay, that's, that's a good thing. Except people want to be loved. And the gospel is love. And I've experienced and do experience both. And this one is way better than this one. Right? Will you say amen? amen? It's more blessed to love others, to love people. Being healthy. That's important. And especially for us older people who struggle with that, it's like, that's a good thing. It's kind of beyond your control, at least to some degrees. Uh, the third one, having high-paying jobs. Okay, that things come with a cost, right? Number four, looking better. Five, losing weight, learning new things, living longer with their families, being safe from perceived and real hurt and harm, being comfortable having more pleasure to satisfy their appetite and desires. I don't even know what that last one meant, but it kind of didn't sound great. So, okay, so as I'm summing this up, Jesus says, but seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In Ecclesiastes, the first few chapters, the likely the wisest man that ever lived and had more wealth and power it has at his disposal, comparatively speaking, than Putin or oligarchs do now. And he applied himself to all these things. And I don't know if you're familiar with Ecclesiastes. I like it. Because it shows the futility of everything. Yeah, give it to her. Give it to her. She don't like it? That's you were, and I saw he was elbowing her like, hey, you listen to the man, he's preaching. That's good preaching, Greg. Well, it shows the futility of everything apart from when he gets to the very end. Fear God and keep his commandments, right? That's Ecclesiastes. So all these things, sex, money, power, accumulating things. The, the preacher in Ecclesiastes was building things. He applied himself to that, building empires and stuff. Nah, that didn't work. Okay, pleasure. I'm just going to fill all my pleasure. Not nah, that didn't work. I mean, he keeps going from thing to thing to thing. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all this will be added to you. Now, this doesn't mean that you don't have to work. Paul said, if you don't work, you don't eat. Right? It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean, you know, I'm just going to chill and, you know, enter this state of seeking God. It, it, no, it doesn't mean that. I mean, that is a very good thing to do in the correct context, as long as you are now child of God and you don't have this wall of hostility between you and him. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, seek first the kingdom of God and the bare essentials, which is what he's talking about, will be added to you. Alright, so now I turn it back over to you. Uh, what do most people seek? We talked about that. What do you seek? Be truthful. 
You don't have to turn in your work. I'm not going to read it to the whole class. But really, examine your heart for a minute. What is it you're seeking in life? What is it you're seeking? Jamie's seeking to finish whatever that is. Is that a scarf, sweater? Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah, and by the time she's getting close to the end, she'll be seeking to finish it, right? Kim knits a lot, so, you know, she always talks about the, she loves to knit socks, but there's always that, you know, second sockitis or whatever they call it. It's like, it's fun to do the first sock, and now you've got to do another one just like it. Anyway, what is it you're seeking? What is it you want? What's missing? What would you, you know, do or have? I really hope it's something way more substantial and based on kingdom values than a lot of this bucket list stuff. And I know, you guys, it's easy to get sucked into everything the world around us is doing. But we're a peculiar people, right? We're different. We exist under the realm of authority of a king who we will see one day. Right? I hope you're nodding, shaking your head in affirmation to me. She's not. I got you. You guys mind if I'm like really informal? Like this? That's just how I am. If you do mind, I'm sorry. Just talk to Tom and he'll tell me to quit preaching. <laughs> this is just how I am. So what, what is it you seek? And, you know, is it... I mean, I, there's, there's some things we seek. They're not super spiritual. I understand that. But just examine yourself, you know, even later today and tonight, it's like, God, show me what is important to me and what things need to change. Because that's what we're all about, is to glorify him. So let's pray. Lord, thank you. Um, man, I am grateful, grateful for this time, grateful for my brothers and sisters here who are just willing to give their time and attention I pray, God, that you bless each of us many times over. Um, would you correct us when we are desiring the things that maybe we shouldn't? And would you replace those, God, with things that we should, that, that uh, we could testify to the truth of the Scripture, that if we delight ourselves in you, you will give us the desire of our heart. I know those two things are totally tied together. So thank you, Lord. Thanks for this time. We ask your blessing on our fellowship and the rest of this day. And once again, Lord, I want to lift up uh, what's going on in Eastern Europe. Uh, Glorious, glorious things that your people are doing there, mostly invisible or unreported. But I ask your blessing, your protection on your people, and even more importantly, as they suffer and some lose their lives, that it would be to your glory, that your will would be done. In Christ's name, amen.